0: Welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. Good Christian men rejoice with heart
1: and soul and voice. Give ye heed to what we say. Jesus Christ is born today. Amen. Christ is born today, Christ is born today, good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice, now ye hear of endless bliss, Jesus Christ was born for this, he has opened heaven's door and man is blessed
0: Good morning. Good to uh, good to see see each of you this morning. <clears throat> Glad you're able to uh, to to be out and be together on this uh, Christmas morning morning that we have uh, set aside that we can remember the Lord has uh, done for us. We think about the coming of Christ, the birth of Christ, Christmas, you know, the the world's uh, perspective around us when they hear the, the biblical story of the birth of Christ, it uh, tends to get lost in translation. Uh, for many, uh, you might could even say most, it's all about um, uh, having goodwill or a, a spirit of Christmas that you hear uh, so often, or a spirit of giving. And um, that uh, line of thinking is, uh, uh, you could say, loses the, the real reason for Christmas it's lost. It reminds me of the, of the story of the little girl who came home from school all excited and she was waving the, her paper in the air and said, Mommy, Mommy, my teacher uh, says I drew the most unusual Christmas picture she's ever seen. Some of you may have heard this story before. But the mother looked at the picture, studied it for a moment, and decided that it was indeed a very unique picture of the nativity scene. And she said to her daughter... Uh, you did a wonderful job drawing this picture. It's it's beautiful. But but why did you make them all ride in an airplane? The little girl said, "Well, that's because they took their flight to Egypt." <laughs> and uh, she had a hint of disappointment uh, that uh, her mother didn't recognize um, the true meaning of the picture right away. And so the mother says, "Oh, of course. But who is that mean-looking man sitting at the front of the airplane?" She said, that's Pontius the pilot, of course. <laughs> and she's becoming a little bit uh, impatient with her mother. And so the mother says, I see. And here you have Mary and Joseph and the baby. Uh, and the mother noticed. And she studies the picture in silence for a moment and summoned the courage to ask, but who's that overweight guy sitting behind Mary? And the daughter said, that's Round John Virgin. <laughs> Well, I think as I hear some of the old English, I can, I can get lost in translation too, uh, but uh, that's the way the girl saw it. And even us uh, who have heard the story of the birth of Christ over and over again can allow the true meaning of Christmas to be lost in translation. Uh, the influence of the world is so strong that we can easily be misled to focus on the externals of Christmas and not on the reason why Christ was born. So I'm thankful this morning for the opportunity that we can uh, be together, to hear the Word of God, renew our minds, sharpen our focus on what's important, and see afresh the reason for Christ coming to earth, taking on the form of a man. Jesus himself announced very clearly uh, why he came. When he was teaching his disciples about the importance of a servant attitude, he says in Mark 10:45, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So when we think of Christmas, we must not lose sight of this redemptive purpose of God: the sending of God the Son to die in our place for us. So that we could be forgiven of our sins and become children of God. And as we've seen in our series, we've been studying, looking through Ephesians chapter 1, we've seen that it was the determined plan of God, even before the creation, that Christ would come to take away the sin of the world. And, And so, thus, we have the testimony of John, when John the Baptist, when he sees Jesus, he says, in John one twenty nine, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so John identifies Jesus as God's Lamb, God's sacrificial offering that, that would be the Savior, not only for the Jewish people and the Jewish nation, but for the whole world. And So this theme of the Lamb, the Lamb of God, it 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 may seem more like a theme for a Good Friday service or Easter morning service rather than a Christmas morning service. But The more we study the Scriptures, the more we realize that this theme of the substitutionary death of Christ was always in the mind of God. And from the very first pages of Scripture, we read of the fall of man into sin, the curse on man and and the creation as a result. And we read of man's own efforts to cover his sin. And by the way, man is still trying to cover his sin, to make his own fig leaves, so to speak, to atone for his own sin, trying to satisfy God's wrath by doing good, by being religious. But man cannot atone, he cannot cover his own sin. And so we see the first bloodshed, the taking of the life of an animal to make skins to cover Adam and Eve. And the, the, the scripture record doesn't give us the detail of, of that event of how it happened, but I can imagine that God allowed Adam and Eve to see the, the taking of that life. He, they could see the, the shedding of the blood because of their sin. So that their, their sins could be covered so they could have a fellowship with God. And all of that um, is a foreshadowing of, of, of what would come. And Some 2,000 years later, as God unfolds the history of uh, mankind, we see in Genesis 22, uh, a vivid picture of this substitutionary sacrifice. And that is with Abraham. And God tells Abraham in chapter 22, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. And by the way, that mountain is where God would offer his only son. In obedience, Abraham goes. And as they approach the top of the mountain, Isaac, his son, says to Abraham, Behold the the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham answers, God will provide for himself a lamb. Or burnt offering, my son. And God does provide a substitute offering, but not until Abraham's test is complete and the angel stops him from taking the life of his son and says, For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. In the New Testament, Paul would write in Romans 8, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also? With Him graciously give us all things. John writes, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Some 500 years after God's promise to Abraham of a seed or or an offspring that would be a blessing to all the nations of the earth, God would give another prophetic sign that would picture the deliverance of God through a a substitutionary offering. And this time it was given to the nation of Israel, uh, known as the the Passover in Exodus 12. You'll remember those events. The children of Israel had been in bondage in Egypt for some 400 years. God was now ready to deliver them out of this bondage. You remember the plagues that He sent the Egyptians? Those plagues was the death of the firstborn son. God provided special instruction to Moses and Aaron for the people of Israel so that when he passed over them, their firstborn would not die. Uh, And thus the name of Passover. Every household was to select a lamb. It was to be a a lamb without blemish. And it was to be kept or set apart for, for four days and then the lamb was to be killed and the blood from that lamb was to be taken and applied to the two doorposts and the lintel of their house, of each of the houses. And the, and the lamb was to be roasted and eaten by the family. They were all to be together and to remain in the house together that night. And so God gave this memorial, of the Passover, uh, to remind them of what he had done for them, to remind them of the deliverance out of bondage, to remind them... Of uh, the sacrifice that was given for them. And it, it foreshadowed, it was a memorial for them to look back, but it, but it foreshadowed also the coming of a lamb without blemish who died for us. As the Israelites applied the blood of the sacrifice in faith, so believers today, by faith, figuratively apply the blood of Christ to their own hearts are safe in Christ. Paul writing to the uh, the Corinthians would call Christ our Passover Lamb. Remind them of who they are and what God had done for them. And just as the children of Israel were to, to sanctify or they were to cleanse, cleanse out their homes of unleavened bread for that week of the, um, of the, of the feast, they were Paul is, is using that, that same memorial to remind the believers at Corinth that Christ is our Passover lamb and we are to be set apart for him. We are, we are to be reminded of our sacrifice, the sacrifice that was given for us. And Peter as well picks up on this theme in, in 1 Peter 1, verse 18. He, he reminds us that we were not redeemed with silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot, and so we have, as God moves in the uh, the revelation uh, in His Word, we see the tabernacle, the sacrificial system, the Day of Atonement, all of these special days, the offerings, all of these types and shadows. Uh, if you understand the idea of the shadow, it it figure it was a figure of Christ, but um, It was not Christ. It only partially revealed what He would come and do. But Christ was the body that was given for us. And they're pointing to this one that would be a substitutionary sacrifice, not only to cover sin, as those Old Testament sacrifices did, the animal sacrifices were coverings that had to be repeated year after year. But Christ would take away the sin. Hebrews 9 9 and 12 um, explains and elaborates as to the nature of what Christ did for us. The prophets also spoke of this expectation of a coming Savior, of a a prophet, of a priest, of a king that would come as a deliverer, as a Savior. What they did not know is how he could be both a suffering servant and a conquering king. They, They did not know that there would be two comings of Christ the first time he would come in humility to die uh, for us to take care of, of sin the problem of sin and death but the second time he's coming in in great power and glory as the king of kings and the lord of lords and in the vision that god gave john you remember in, in revelation chapter 5 he identifies jesus as this lamb that as if slain one that's uh, beside the throne of god in in heaven and he is the The object of worship together with God the Father. And in Revelation 5 and verse 12, the multitude says, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And so, this image of uh, the Lamb of God, the coming of Christ, this is the babe in the manger. This is the Son of God who came from the glories of heaven, to be born as a helpless babe, to become one of us, that He would die for us in our place, the Passover Lamb of God. He's coming again, and He's going to reign as Lord, and He's bringing judgment upon the world and unbelief. And it begs the question, have you in faith, believing, accepted His sacrifice for you? Have you agreed with God that you are a sinner, guilty before God, and all your efforts to provide your own covering are worthless before God? This is why Jesus came. This is why we celebrate Christmas. And it's why we as believers can rejoice in the birth of Christ, because we know that it was more than just the birth of a baby. It's more than just warm, fuzzy feelings about Gifts and wise men and animals in a manger scene. We know that it's God's plan of redemption for us. He's coming so he could be one of us to be our substitute, to be our savior. And we rejoice in that. And we also live in the expectation of his return. He's coming to take us to be with him. And we shall rejoice. In that, and we rejoice this morning in that as we think about God's plan for us, God's redemption for us. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for uh, just the blessing of being together this morning as we have this day as a memorial uh, to what you've done for us in sending Christ, sending the Son of God to be born and to live and, and die in our place. We praise you, Lord, for your plan. We praise you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace that has been planned and bestowed upon us. We thank you, Father, for working in our hearts to convict us of our sin and to convict us that our feeble efforts to provide our own covering is not sufficient. Regardless of uh, how much man tries, regardless of how much um, religious activity we can be involved in, Lord, it's just like Adam and Eve's covering of fig leaves. Lord, thank you that you've provided for us a sufficient sacrifice, a holy, a perfect sacrifice in the Lord Jesus Christ, so that as we look to him in faith, we can be forgiven, and we can have cleansing, and we can have a relationship with you. We thank you for that, Father, and we rejoice in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, come, all you unfaithful!
1: Come, we cannot stay. Oh come, no, you are not. Taste of his perfect It's the Lamb who was given, slave for our pardon? His promise is peace. For those who mean, is the one who was given, slave for our pardon? His promise is peace. For those The offering come, see what, see what God your God has done, Christ is born.